Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. This is episode number 139. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing I'm doing alright. Good. Yeah. This week this week on the show we have two spooky Halloween themed reviews for you. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, we'll be talking about The Town the Dreaded Sundown, the remake, or whatever you want to call it. We'll get into it. And Housebound. Both are available on demand right now, so you can check both of those out. And of course, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions and new video on demand releases and DVD and Blu-ray releases. All that fun stuff. Quick programming note. We may not have an episode next week. I'll be in Orlando for the Spooky Empire Halloween Horror Convention. What's well, a mouthful? I it's not called all that. I just kinda, <laughs> I think it's just called Spooky Empire. I think it's called Spooky Empire's Horror Weekend or something. Okay. Either way, if you're in Orlando and into horror movies, highly recommend checking it out. Kevin, you went with us one year. I did. You had fun, yeah. right? I did. Yeah, it's it's a good time. So I'll be wandering around looking like an idiot. So check me out. I will not be dressed up as anything. I oh wanted my. to go because I'm going with several people, and I wanted to go as the the gang from Return of the Living Dead. I thought that'd be fun, but I couldn't put the costume together in time. Oh come on. Yeah. Let's jump into some of what we've been watching. Now we may just going back one second. We may have a show. I'm gonna try to work out the recording but if we're not here that's why what's up let's talk about something we've been watching kevin why don't you start it off this week talked about it a little bit on the last show but i finished the town the dreaded sundown oh boy the first one we're going to talk about both of them today. both of them uh-oh oh boy uh 1976 docudrama type deal i guess is what they're going for yeah. But this movie is just a tonal mess. Yeah. It is ridiculous. <laughs> I think the best part's the music. The music, you're just like, what? What is happening here? The music is awful. It's just downright terrible. The voiceover towards the beginning of the film, I kind of liked. I, I see what they're going for, trying to give it that documentary feel, you know, setting up what's going on here. But. It gets ridiculous at certain points where they're ju- where he's just telling you things that are happening on the screen, which is completely unnecessary. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need a voiceover to tell me that he's holding a shotgun because I can see him holding a shotgun. So I don't quite understand what the hell they were doing there. Well, I think it's supposed to all play into the, the real story. I think that it's supposed to add to the realism yeah, of what's happening. But... It doesn't. It doesn't. I would be curious, I said this before when we talked about it, I would be curious to know if the narrator, is he reading police reports? If any of that's real, I'd be curious to know. It's uh, And then it gets worse because then Sparkplug shows up. <laughs> Good old Sparkplug. Good old Sparkplug. Who's played by the director, which just seems really kind of kind of rude. He's just like, you know what, I'm going to throw myself in there do some of my my comedic shtick so for like a large chunk of this movie it just turns into like slapstick comedy hour and you're just like what the fuck is going on 
Like you're you're not even watching a movie about a serial killer anymore. Like I said, it felt like a Dukes of Hazard episode. Yeah, and then like they can't control their cars. Sparkplug has no idea how to drive, but they keep letting him drive for some reason. And just things get fucking silly. He can't find keys. He doesn't know where the keys are. <laughs> they got that goofy music playing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it, it, you're wondering, honestly, like, what is going on here? And then it finally gets back to the serial killer aspect. And there's trombone knife pops up, which is just beyond weird. It is. And the logistics of it do not work at all. No. Nope. There's no way. And then... You know, I'm sort of sitting there thinking, okay, this is this is a real story about a real killer that killed real people, and we're just turning it into like a goofball comedy, and it just felt really insulting. I'm sure the family is not thrilled about it. I can't believe that they would be. And then, uh, but the, the thing is, like towards the end, that last sequence at the the farmhouse and everything, and through the cornfield. I mean, man, that looks good. That, that was that, actually that, whole, yeah. that, that was like top notch stuff right there. That whole sequence from when he shows up and you see him outside the window and the guys watching TV, everything from that point, I was like, yeah, because it was yeah. pretty. And you're like, it's pretty scary. Yeah, it's you're like, this is a good movie. Like, if the rest of the movie was like this section, this would be fantastic because it just had everything. I mean, it had perfect cinematography. It was creepy. It was tense. Mm-hmm. But if, unfortunately, all everything up until that point is just all over the place. Yeah, bizarre. I uh, th- bizarre movie. I liked it though. I think that the weird tone of the movie is what makes it so popular. I, I think know. that that's I, just, what, I couldn't get past that's set, I mean, that's what sets it aside from your standard slasher movie. I just you know, it, the, the weird comedy. Just it's such a bizarre movie to watch. To me, it just it got too sidetracked. Like they, they, I can understand adding some comedy to it, a little bit of levity, but it seems like they just like completely went off course and forgot what they were even doing. A lot of it kind of reminded me, in a way, of Twin Peaks, also, because I've been re- rewatching Twin Peaks on Blu-ray, and just the weird comedy that's in Twin Peaks too sort of matches it. It is. This is. It, I mean, it's done way better in Twin Peaks, obviously, but yeah. But, I mean, this is just, this is a weird movie. Can't get behind it. Hmm. Okay. Can't well, do it. I, I like it. I think fans of horror movies should definitely check it out. I think it's a classic. Oh. I think it's a horror classic. I'm going to go out there and say it. Wow. I'm going to yep. say no. It's a mess. <laughs> it is a mess, but that's what makes it a classic. I saw a movie called the WNUF Halloween Special. I did not get to see this. I wanted to. I couldn't squeeze it in, though. So basically the the premise of this movie is that it's a VHS copy of a local news broadcast that was recorded in 1987 and things go wildly wrong for these people that are doing this live broadcast where they go into a supposedly haunted house. Okay. And the <clears throat> the movie itself is your average found footage horror movie, but the way that it is presented is something that's quite unique and right up my alley. Think Tim and Eric style, where it they did everything they could to recreate an actual 80s 
TV broadcast, complete with commercials. There's commercial breaks maybe every five minutes in this. Okay. And it's and it's all the they did such an amazing job making these commercials look of the time. I mean, it is impressive. So they're just like made up commercials for made yeah, they're products. F- right. They're fake. <laughs> yeah. They're fake commercials, but when you watch them you're like, hmm, that's definitely the type of commercials that aired back then on local TV. It's not goofy, you know. It's not like it's a Saturday Night Live spoof commercial. Yeah. They play it straight, and because of that, it's more effective. Hmm. And they really immerse you into the into believing that this is an actual 80s broadcast. There's a few things here and there that let you know that this is a more modern movie, but they mask it really well. Now, I'm not going to say the movie is good, per se, because there are a lot of commercial breaks. I mean, I was going to probably... say, you said like every five minutes. Yeah, yeah. That seems like entirely too many commercials. Yes, there are a lot. Uh, eventually, what happens is, because they repeat commercials too, just like what what would happen in real life, but eventually it starts fast forwarding through the commercials. <laughs> and before it gets into the actual Halloween special, they play part of the nightly news that was before that so you so you have like other news reports happening in it as well it's great i mean so it's like vicariously watching tv through someone else right or <laughs> the way that i think that it's supposed to be presented it's it's like remember when you had a vhs player you could just record anything off of tv it's like someone took took one of those and copied it because that would be the only way you could justify the fast forwarding parts. Yeah. Because if you if you had a VHS duplicator and you played the Halloween special and then hit record on another VHS tape and then fast forwarded through the commercials, that would show up like that yeah. on the duplicate. At any rate, I read that this movie actually came out on VHS when it when it was originally released. Nice. And the cover's great, and just everything about it, I enjoyed. I'm gonna the, have to check this one out. This it's not it's not particularly scary. It's very it's very much a slow burn, just like any other found footage movie. Yeah, but it's really the presentation that makes this worth checking out. I was thoroughly impressed with it, and I had a ball. I was laughing, and it was just a lot of fun. So. Check that out. It's the WNUF Halloween special. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know if it would classify as a movie. That's huh. the thing. Like, I don't know if you could say it's even a movie just because it's when you watch it, it's not really like a movie at all. Hmm. This sounds very interesting. Yeah. When I when I told you to check it out, I, I said, you don't have to see the whole thing. Just watch the beginning just to see how. They created it, and you'll get the gist. Gotcha. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's it's a blast. Check it out. You know how you were talking about horror classics just a little while ago? Sure. Do you remember that? I do. Well, I watched one called A Bay of Blood. Oh, boy. Baba. Little Baba. Little Baba action. Little Baba. Baba Bay of Blood. <laughs> this movie. Oh, boy. This movie. Wow. 1971, and it just... Are you turning into a Bava fan? Is that what's happening here? I've always been a Bava fan. There's just something about a Bava. 
I just I enjoy them. There's just I it's such a good time. Love love this, them. This guy is just all about style, and that's what I love about him because he tries everything. Uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it does, but you can't. You know, you can't knock him for what he what he's trying to do here. He's just thrown every like stylistic flair he can, and man, it just makes for a good time. And this one is just ridiculous because it's just people being murdered constantly. Pretty much, yeah. Just just constantly being murdered. Now, have you seen this one? Have you seen have. Bay of Blood? Yep. This movie, it's just starts out person getting killed then another person gets killed and then some more people get killed then other people show up and they think ah you know what this is like murders going on and stuff let's just jump into it they just jump right in and start killing people too like what if for whatever reason you come to the bay you just want to kill (laughs) that's what people are doing and it's just it twist and turn like crazy especially with the ending which was just ridiculous i did not see that coming and the, just the execution of that ending alone is fantastic with the happy music and running through the bay. So ridiculous. The soundtrack is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The special effects are amazing. Yeah, Especially that's that, that hatchet to the face. Yeah. That guy gets a hatchet to the face. When they reveal the one dude who's in the water, that oh, looks man. real. Yeah. And then the scene with him in the boat with the octopus on his face. That's what, I, yeah, that's what uh, I was referring to. Oh, that was disgusting. Yeah. Octopuses everywhere. What is up with the octopuses? The only, the only thing that I had a problem with is, for whatever reason, he does this, like, slow zoom in, zoom out, where it's not in focus, and then it'll, mm-hmm. he'll zoom in, it'll go out of focus, and then it'll cut to a new scene. And he'll be zooming out, and then he'll come into focus. And f- there's a section in this movie for like 10 minutes where he just does that for like an extended period of time, and nothing's really happening. It's just him cutting between scenes. <laughs> just he like gets stuck in a K-hole, and you're like, uh, "Baba, come on, let's get back to it." And then he does, and then people just get murdered left and right all day long. So you I, should. Uh, it, de- it definitely delivers. Yeah, you should definitely check out. Blood and Black Lace from 1964. It's another Bava, and I like that one more than Bay of Blood. Not to say I didn't like Bay of Blood, but I mean, yeah, I mean, this isn't a perfect movie by any stretch. It's a Bava, so it's filled with faults. But man, they're just they're good time, just a good time. I love Italian horror, man. It is just it's in a category of its own. To me, Bava's Bava's the best of the bunch for me. Mm. Out of what out of what I've seen. I have, have more fun with Babas. Have you seen Have you seen any of Argento stuff? I have seen some Argento stuff. I like it, but I'm just not overly impressed as everyone else is. You got to see Deep Red this Halloween. I think, yeah, that's coming up. I'm going to do that. I, I'm afraid that I'm playing it up too much because I love it so much, but check it out. Check it? Yeah, especially because it's on Fandor. Yeah. Because there's no... To my knowledge, there's no good Blu-ray copies of that movie out there. That's what I like. I mean, and with Baba, I think like almost all of his movies are on Netflix. Just about. They got they got a crazy bunch of Babas. I've been Netflix there. I'm gonna watch at least one more Baba this Halloween. Just watch them all. Watch all the Babas. Yeah, there's quite a. I haven't seen that many. Honestly, <laughs> I've only seen like four, four or five of his movies. So. 
I think that's about all I've seen too. But I've enjoyed myself, everyone. Yeah, same here. Same here. So I highly right. recommend Bay of Blood. I saw a documentary called Out of Print that is available now. You can yeah. watch it for free via Vimeo. Okay. So have you been have you heard anything about what's going on with this whole thing with uh with uh Julia from the new Beverly and everything that's been going on with I, I, that? a little bit. A little, a little bit. bit. A little bit. So basically this is uh she directed this documentary about it it kind of looks at revival theaters and focuses on the new Beverly because that's where she works or used to work now. And it's a really good documentary for anybody that's into cinema. People that like learning about the history of of uh, theater exhibition and people that appreciate the concept of the revival house. And I think that it's a really entertaining documentary. They get a lot of really good people interviewed for it, like Kevin Smith and Edgar Wright and Ryan Johnson and John Landis. There's tons and tons of people that she gets for this documentary. But the reason that she put it out for free was because she was sort of let go from the new Beverly because of the whole Quentin Tarantino takeover thing. And this week she published this blog post about what happened. And it's just kind of sad to, to read about what, Yeah, she was basically forced out. They initially made her a manager, and she was really excited about that, but they gave her no kind of guidelines as to what she should be doing, and she kept emailing Quentin Tarantino's assistant, I guess, uh, asking her, what am I supposed to be doing? Can you give me some direction here as to where we're going with this? Because she was also supposed to be manning the social media accounts, but then they tried to get her to sign a confidentiality agreement saying that she wouldn't talk about anything that was happening. So she's like, how can I do my job if you're telling me I can't say anything? Classic management. So they never replied to any of her emails or calls or anything like that. And then all of a sudden they have a meeting and they bring her in and they say, doesn't look like your management material. They... basically demoted her down to the snack bar and they couldn't even, and they didn't even guarantee her a a, a spot on the schedule. So essentially they were trying to force her to quit. Oh Oh. yeah. That, that old move. Yeah. Where they just stop scheduling you. (laughs) Yeah. So essentially that's like the dickest move ever. So she puts out this blog post and then they fire her, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That'll happen. And when you see the movie, you'll realize why she put it out for free, because it's kind of sad when you watch it now, because they talk about the new Beverly and how it's this great revival theater and everything. And all of a sudden you're just like, well, now it's kind of tainted. Now it's kind of shitty. Oh, boy. So I'll put a link to the movie in the show notes. So check that out. It's called Out of Print. Hmm. That sounds interesting. And I, I did speak with her. I think we're gonna we're gonna try to get her on the show soon. Obviously oh, now look it's at a you. now it's a little hectic for her. I, I can imagine. But we're gonna try to get her on the show at some point to oh, talk boy. about it. Oh boy, that should be that that would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I watched Love Streams 
Cass Betty's essentially his last film, his last personal film from 1984. Pick this sucker up on a one of those flash sales that Criterion has. Mm, so it got mm-hmm. me got me a twenty dollar Blu-ray. That was exciting. And watch me some love streams. And Ooh, Martin, you're you're not much of a Blu-ray buyer, are you? No, I have three Blu-rays. <laughs> <laughs> got three of them. Oh boy. I got three Blu-rays. So it's kind of exciting getting to watch Blu-ray. Getting uh, sort of catching up with everybody in the world here. Uh, which you guys are probably already on to like some other type of DVD that I don't even know about. Yeah, dude. We're way beyond Blu-ray <laughs> at this point. <laughs> uh, love Streams. Okay, you got John Cassavetes and Gina Rollins playing brother and sister. And their performances, flat out fantastic, as always. Never really expect anything less. Uh, the movie, though, is a bit... It's a bit bloated. It's 141 minutes. And it's just really showing these two people just they their lives are a mess and they're just they don't they're trying to look for love in all the wrong places everything's just a mess nothing's working out gina rollins is pretty crazy she does some really crazy stuff throughout cassavetti's just always getting drunk and trying to pick up chicks and you know it works but there's this section towards the end of the film where gina rollins gets a bit out of control and buys a shit ton of animals and brings them back to Cassavetti's house. Like, we're talking horses and ducks and I think a donkey or a goat. I think it was a goat. She just buys a shit ton of animals. And unfortunately, it sort of lost me a little bit there because she became a bit too crazy that everything just felt kind of out of hand. But uh, the interesting thing about Love Strings is there's... There's a little bit more uh, surrealism going on here. There's some dream sequences, some daydreaming sequences that Gene Rollins has, and then she sort of gets reality and her dreams confused, sort of blur the lines, which you don't normally see in a Cassavetes movie. It's more just, you know, steeped in realism. So it's kind of interesting to see some dream sequences thrown in there. And the way that he films them are just, I mean, they're unbelievable. He has a lot more... A lot more uh, artistic flair with his camera in this one. It's quite good. Quite good. I recommend it. I it wasn't it wasn't the absolute masterpiece that I was thinking it was going to be going into it. So I was I was let down a little bit, but being let down a little bit with the Cassavetes film isn't much. And that's Love Streams. That's probably on Hulu Plus, right? No, it's not. No. That's why I okay. got that that's why I got that Blu ray. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, Pick it up on Blu-ray then, Criterion. So there's, as I'm assuming there's all kinds of special features. Oh and stuff. yeah, and I didn't even get into them yet. You know, there's documentaries, all sorts of stuff. Can't wait. Very cool. I saw, keeping <clears throat> with the kind of surreal cinema, I saw one that's very surreal called Motivational Growth. This is directed by Don Thacker. What a weird ass movie this was. Uh. I didn't know what to expect going into this. Uh, so it's it's about a guy who is severely agoraphobic. He hasn't left his house in over a year. And he doesn't bathe. He doesn't clean up. His house is a disgusting mess. And there's a pile of mold that is growing in his bathroom that suddenly comes to life. And is voiced by Jeffrey Combs. 
And he develops a relationship with this mold who tries to get him to clean himself up, bathe, talk to a girl, you know, just make, make himself to be a better man. And as you come to find out, the mold maybe has some ulterior motives with getting him cleaned up. Yeah, you, I mean, you shouldn't ever be trusting mold. No, no. Don't. You shouldn't be taking advice from mold. It's funny because he demands to be called the mold. So anytime <laughs> the character calls him mold, he corrects him and says, the mold. <laughs> and, he, and the mold insists on calling him Jack, even though his name's Ian. <laughs> Ian Folliver. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know what to say about this movie. It is very gross. There's lots of vomiting and bodily functions and just a ton of gross shit in this movie. There's some violence as well, but it's so quirky and odd. I have to recommend it because it's just so out there. It's wildly original. I've never seen a movie like this before. This this sounds fantastic. It's It was shot on a very low budget, and it all takes place in this guy's apartment, but the effects work is really good. There's a couple things that happen where I was genuinely impressed with the effects work in this movie. Occasionally, it'll switch over to animation, too, and it's, a yeah. 16, it's like a 16-bit style animation. looks like a video game. Mm-hmm. The entire soundtrack is a chiptune soundtrack, so you know the 8-bit sound. Mm -hmm. I think it was made on a Commodore 64, which is kind of crazy because I was watching it and I was thinking to myself, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that has had that kind of soundtrack. Hmm. I can't think of any. I know that Kings of Summer had a lot of video game sounding music in its score, but it it was more like that was just kind of peppered in mm-hmm. with this with this movie it is an entirely chiptune score which i liked a lot hmm. but i don't really know why it was like that i don't know why it looked like a video game a lot of it <laughs> but then again there's you don't a know lot why, but you still liked it right yeah there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie that has no explanation to it at all it's what well, i mean if you're going in if you're intrigued by talking mold, I mean, you just got to roll with everything else at that point. I mean, you're already bought into the talking mold stuff. Yeah, but you're never you're never sure if it's all a figment of his imagination or if, you know, because he never cleaned his house, if maybe he's hallucinating because of the mold spores. <laughs> it's got you, black mold in his brain. Yeah, you never know. You never know what's real and what's not because things will happen and then it'll rewind and then somebody will die and then they'll be alive again and his he has a he also has a kind of a relationship with his tv (laughs) uh he has a relationship with everything sounds like well because he's he lives such a solitary life Hmm. this sounds ridiculous it is good way yeah i recommend checking it out if you're into really weird like Quentin Dupio kind of weird, absurd stuff. It's very funny. The dialogue is really good. Very snappy dialogue. Very 
thought-provoking dialogue. There's a lot of deep conversations that are had, and they break the fourth wall. He talks to the camera. He talks to the audience. It's just insane. Certainly not for everyone. I really enjoyed it, though. Well, you just sold the shit out of that movie. <laughs> it's you it's just nuts. sold it as soon as you I said. Was th- as you I was watching it, called the mold. As I was watching it, I was thinking about how you would feel about this movie. I'm, I'm and there's certain things about it that I think you would probably hate, but there's other things I think you might like. So I don't know. I don't know how you would feel about this one. I'd I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Well, maybe the next show you will. Okay. Good. The hero. Motivational growth. Uh, I don't know. We got a screener for this, so I'm not sure exactly when it's going to be coming out. Um, soon, I would imagine. Hopefully. So check it out. Hopefully. Oh, you want to be surprised? You want me I to always want to. I always want to be surprised. You want to be hit with a surprise? What movie came out this year that you think to yourself, "Oh, Kevin would never watch that," but I did. You want to take a guess? <laughs> There's like, there's probably 200 or 300 movies that came out this year that I would say Kevin would never watch. Think of the biggest one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say maybe a, a superhero movie or a summer blockbuster. No, but you're a bit off. You're a bit off there. I watched uh, The Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> well, this is it was kind of a blockbuster, summer blockbuster in a way. Yeah, 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 it was. So uh, I watched that, and um, yeah, uh, what to say about the Fault in Our Stars? <clears throat> Are you gonna surprise me you... again and say you loved it? No, <laughs> <laughs> the surprise ends that I watched it. Okay. Uh, no, I will say that it wasn't like downright absolutely terrible. It didn't look um, absolutely terrible. It no, just didn't. I mean, it just, just didn't look like something that either of us no, would be interested in. It's a sap fest. Yeah. And you yeah. know that I I don't want any part of sap fest or sentimentality or any of that BS. And it is just, oh, it's everywhere here. There is a scene where they go to Amsterdam, right? Because she wants to meet her favorite author and ask him questions about the book. Because they're the book that he wrote just ends in the middle of a sentence and it drives her crazy because apparently she doesn't know how books work. So she goes to Amsterdam with her boyfriend, friend, whatever the hell you want to call it, their romance that's blossoming in the face of cancer death. And they go to Anne Frank's house. All right. So Shailene Woodley has the, all the oxygen stuff going on in her nose and everything. She's got to go up all these steps and ladders and she has trouble with steps, man. They just they they wear her out because of the oxygen and the cancer and everything. She just she has trouble doing it, but she fights and she gets the whole way up to the very top of Anne Frank's house, and she's just having a rough time with it. And then in that moment, she falls in love hard for Gus, and they make out. And Anne, in Anne Frank's house, yes. Oh, inappropriate. But, yeah. What the fuck? Okay, it gets worse. So they're making out in Anne Frank's house, which, Jesus Christ, that's fucking weird. What are you doing? But all the people there that are in the attic with them start slow clapping. Oh, no. They do the slow clap, and then Gus takes a bow after they're done making out. Oh, God. And I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. Are you serious? You just did that? So they come back from the 
you know, whirlwind romance at Anne Frank's house, come back to the hotel, and they decide to have sex. First time. And I'm thinking, okay, Shailene Woodley has a lot of difficulty just going up and down steps without, you know, passing out. How's this going to work? How the (laughs) hell is she going to survive sex? Like, I mean, my God. But apparently she makes it through. She soldiers on. I don't know how. (laughs) It's just this... This movie is kind of ridiculous. And then you have that whole, I don't know if you heard the, there's a scene towards the beginning where uh, Gus's character, he has, he's a cancer survivor. And uh, he has this thing where he, he puts a cigarette in his mouth and Shailene Woodley flips out. And she's like, I can't believe you do this. Da, da, da. And Gus is like, but I never light it. It's like, I put the thing that can kill me in between my teeth but I never light it and I never give it the power. It's a metaphor. And I'm just like, shut, shut up, shut your face. It's just, it's terrible mm. writing. It's just, it's like middle school writing. And I know it's a young adult novel, but my goodness. <sighs> have you seen the SNL sketch fault in our stars too? I don't know where, if I where, have where she has Ebola. <laughs> oh yeah. I did see that. Yes, that was good. That was like good. See, I would like to see that movie. This movie, however, I mean, people are gonna watch it anyways. But man, it's just Shailene Woodley is really good in it. I'll give her that. I like her a lot. I think she's really she, talented. Willem Dafoe pops up for a little bit as the writer, and he's pretty mm. good. But then there's this weird thing where he shows up at the end because he's like a huge asshole. And they use, they use, there's a funny bit where Gus is like, oh, you know, why don't you use your Make-A-Wish to go to Amsterdam and see your favorite writer? And she used it apparently when she was 13 to go to Disney World. And he kind of makes fun of her for it, which I was like, ah, she should have got a Dell. (laughs) She should have got a Dell (laughs) Dimension computer. (laughs) (laughs) But see, Gus, Gus didn't use his. He saved it. So he uses it to go to Amsterdam. Oh my God, Gus is like the best guy ever. Wouldn't they take your wish away if the cancer went away, though? Uh, yeah, I don't know how that works. We'll have to get Ryan on find yeah. out how that works. But surprise, cancer comes back. Oh boy! And then shit gets real. But everything was just so ridiculous to begin with. It's just it's uh, you're just constantly rolling your eyes. Yeah, I definitely won't be because Gus is fucking perfect man he's like the greatest person that's ever lived it's just it's too much too much nope and then then you're making out in Anne frank's house come on inappropriate wildly inappropriate yeah and then slow clapping it's like the uh it's like the episode of seinfeld when he makes out in schindler's list and then he goes back to see it again and makes out again (laughs) i think that's what happened (laughs) oh god so I saw two werewolf movies. Oh boy! No, I'm not big into werewolf movies. There have been a few over the years that I've liked: American Werewolf in London, Dog Soldiers. Uh, I can't think of too many more werewolf movies that I actually liked. Uh, one of them, the first one I saw, is called Wolves. What's the one where he plays basketball? Well, Wolves is very much like Teen Wolf. Also, does he play basketball? Is there? A- Werewolf basketball? No, there's a football ah. scene, though, <laughs> at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a football scene. Awesome. So, basically, this is about this 
kid who doesn't realize he's a werewolf and then suddenly he does realize he's a werewolf and <laughs> he thinks that he killed his parents so he runs away from home and ends up in this town that's full of werewolves and he discovers that there's some sort of war happening between these two groups of werewolves and he gets caught in the middle and then he falls in love with this girl who was already promised to the leader of the bad werewolves and he fights him and he has to kill him and it's terrible Wait, so, so there's two different kinds of werewolves it's good and bad werewolves? well sort of i mean they were all one community but then the one guy went rogue and started killing mm-hmm. people and just being a bad dude and it's played by uh uh jason momoa from game of thrones oh okay basically this is like true blood if you've seen true blood very similar to true blood it looks a little bit better just because it's a movie it's more cinematic looking yeah use slow motion and the cameras are better and the cinematography is better but i'm not gonna say it's good I just like the fact that there's a, a werewolf named Connor. Yeah. Connor the werewolf. Connor the werewolf. I didn't like this movie at all. I thought it was pretty terrible. It's not my type of thing. It felt... it. True Blood is the only thing I can draw a comparison to. I haven't seen MTV's Teen Wolf, but I've seen ads and promos for it, and it looks like it might be close to that also. Okay. I would also say it's similar to Hemlock Grove, The only difference is with Hemlock Grove, there are actually horror elements to it. Whereas with this movie, it's werewolves. Like, they're not even scary werewolves. They're (laughs) the way that they're designed. Because recently, it seems like with werewolves, they've been kind of going for just a large wolf design. That's what they did in the Twilight movies and True Blood and Hemlock Grove, where. When they transform, they just look like a giant wolf. Yeah. In this movie, they kind of stick to the original Wolfman style, where it looks like a person in wolf makeup. And they all look like Beast from the X-Men movies. They, it's basically Beast fighting Beast in this movie <laughs> from the X-Men. And they used, they had the same uh-huh. special effects team that worked on X-Men, so... My guess is that it was the same creature designers. They just, just reused. They, they, they had the old. They had some of the old beast props in the warehouse, and they just repainted them brown instead of blue. Oh goodness! Yeah, I am not into that one. I can't recommend that. I think it's available on demand right now. If you're interested, it's called Wolves. Wolves. Unfortunately, the director of this, David Hayter, he is slated to direct the black widow movie for marvel really yeah yeah okay it's kind of i'm not uh, that doesn't immediately turn me off of the black widow movie but but it worries you a little bit yeah has me a little bit worried Mm. uh the other wolf movie i saw is called wolf cop (laughs) (laughs) wolf cop uh wolf cop as the title implies, this is about a cop who's also a werewolf. <laughs> nice. And he fights crime as a werewolf. Not only that, but he fights shapeshifters. There's a group of shapeshifters that are trying to kill him. Okay. And he has to kill them before they kill him. 
this is one of these throwback 80s B-movie style films, just like Hobo with a Shotgun or any of the Astron 6 stuff. Yeah. Like Father's Day. It's hmm. pretty fun. There's With these movies, they could really go either way for me. It's hard to recommend them because they're not good movies per se, but at the same time, they're not supposed to be good. It's supposed to be campy and yeah. cheesy. There's tons of one-liners in this. Most of them are actually quite funny. Uh, it's There's a fair bit of practical gore effects in it, which I always like to see. Yeah, and this, the, the werewolf... Yeah. The werewolf transformations in this are more like the Hemlock Grove style, where it's really disgusting. You also yeah, see. I was gonna say, like, does, does he actually turn into a werewolf, or is he just a big fucking wolf? No, he turns into a werewolf. Good, good. It's fun. It's I don't have a lot to say about it. If you're into movies like Hobo with the Shotgun, this one might be worth checking out. It's not. That's pretty gory. I wouldn't say it's it's not over the top gory like something like Father's Day, but there's a, there's one particular scene where he starts he's in a bar cuz he's like an alcoholic too. Yeah. And he's in a bar drinking and he has to use the bathroom and he goes in and he starts peeing blood and then the the first thing he starts to transform and one of the first things that transforms is his dick. <laughs> it's a pretty disgusting scene. Oh jeez. Yeah, his penis. Oh, his penis explodes into a wolf penis. Oh <laughs> uh, God. Yep. So that's Wolf Cop. Check that out. Directed by Lowell Dean. So penises exploding into wolf penises. Yep. That's that's your takeaway. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh God. Uh, I watched uh, Land Toe. Oh boy, I watched this too. Did you watch it? Yes. Oh man, this is a good time. This is just this is just a fun time being had right it. here. I love it. I just it. Uh, Paul Einhorn and uh, Earl Lynn Nelson, just odd couple, going on yep. a vacation to Iceland. Oh man, it's just this is a good time. It's insanely beautiful, Iceland. Your country's ridiculous. I can't take it. Every shot is just insanely beautiful. Yeah. I can't. I, I can't comprehend it. I don't understand that that's a real place in the world. I mean, I I do give some credit to Aaron Katz and Martha Stevens for that too. I mean, pretty much anybody that shoots Iceland, it'll look good. But the style of this movie had a similar, at least from what I remember, it felt. Similarly to uh, Aaron Katz's previous, what was it, cold, uh, was cold it? weather? Cold weather, yeah. yeah. He he is able to get that, just that that look to it, where it's you know, it has that misty, almost otherworldly feel. Yeah, especially the 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 sequence where they're waiting for the geyser, just like how he slowly oh, pulls in and then loved flips it. it from the other side and comes in. Ugh, it just. <laughs> Or they're driving in the car, and he he brings up he brings up the geysers, and Mitch's character just fucking loses it. <laughs> oh my god, his character his character was a bit much at times. Yeah, because he's just obsessed with sex. Yeah, he's he's a dirty old man. Yeah, and it's, it it takes you out a little bit here and there. 
one thing you just get sick and tired of it yeah i mean he's a little abrasive but he does the things that he says with any normal person you'd probably be offended but when he does it it's just this the way he presents himself he's just like this kooky old man and it feels non-threatening kooky dirty old man he just kept making me uncomfortable this will this will probably land on my top 10 though i I loved it. I just I love his his enthusiasm for geysers. He's yeah. just all about geysers. And I food. just like to. I think part of it was his voice, just yes. how he he project <laughs> the way he projects his voice and the southern accent and stuff. It was just I it thought just, it was fantastic. And I I loved his comedic time and just like the beats, you mm-hmm. know, like the cadence of his voice. Yeah, and how it, when he would get excited and stuff, it was just it was a good time. I for some reason I'm always. I'm always struck by odd couple type movies. Yeah. I don't this know is, what it is. It's just, this is definitely an odd couple movie. Yeah, because poor Colin. Yeah. He's like They're the very nicest soft, guy. Very soft-spoken <laughs> Australian gentleman. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm becoming a huge fan of Paul Einhorn. He is, because he was fantastic in uh, This is Martin Bonner. And then in Lanho now, he's fantastic. I'm pretty much going to watch anything that he pops up in. I like the music in this movie a lot, too. The music was fantastic as well. Everything about it was just, it was a good time. It's a, it's a very slight film. I mean, there's not a lot going on. No. Not, a lot, not a lot happening plot-wise. There's no big resolution. I was really worried that they were going to, like one of them was going to die or something. Or, or he was going to drop the bomb and say that the reason that they're on this vacation is because he has cancer or something. Yeah. No, it never goes. I never was goes really better. worried that they were going to get really heavy with it at the end. Because a lot of these movies do that. But it's just a very light, fun time. It is, it is good times. Enjoyed it. And I'm really excited to see what Aaron Katz is going to be coming out with next what this immediately makes me want to watch more of martha stevens movies yeah her too because they single him out because they also i mean that just means more uh more of what's his name which i already forgot his name god damn it earl lynn nelson is it earl yeah 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 he's in pilgrim song i'm gonna have to check them out i just want to see more of that guy hopefully he's just not obsessed with cocks and stuff in every movie well, that's the other thing. This felt it felt like very much like a documentary. The way it was shot, too, it had a docudrama vibe to it. Ah, uh, yeah, that's good times, man. Lanto, check that out. Have some fun. Yeah, get get uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, the only the only other one that I wanted to mention was Extraterrestrial, the Vicious Brothers science fiction horror movie. This is out on video on demand right now. Cannot recommend it. It, oh, you can't? No. I judging from the trail the trailer for this is not very good, but at the same time, it looked like it was a throwback to 80s science fiction horror movies, which I don't feel like we've had very much of recently. And basically what this does is it combines Cabin in the Woods, Fire in the Sky, and Alien, and it takes I mean there's there's setups in this movie that look like they're directly lifted from some of these movies. It's shameless. Ooh. And I cannot get behind it. The beginning of the movie, I don't know if you remember the beginning of Cabin in the Woods where they're in their dorms or whatever and they're packing up and then they realize that there's going to be the whole group coming with them. 
it's that setup is the exact same in this movie. The the kids, the group of friends, are complete douchebag assholes, and I hated every single one of them. <laughs> There's found footage elements oh, in this geez. for Why? no reason. Why? For no reason. Why? They'll, they just sporadically switch to one of the characters filming. Okay. It's it's not good. It is it's not good. It has a stupid ending that's trying to be clever, but it's not. And I just can't just recommend you just it. Just couldn't get into it. They pack a lot in this movie. There's a lot of stuff going on in this movie. And I will say that the effects work is pretty good because this is a low budget and they do some pretty ambitious stuff with the effects work. Uh, I will also say that Michael Ironside's in this for a little bit, oh, and he, he he's awesome. Oh. He plays this kind of crazy conspiracy theorist slash weed farmer. <laughs> yes, but I'm other than down that, for some Michael Ironside. Other than that, very uninspired, very generic. Oh, oh horror movies. Yeah, it seems like that's the majority of what we're saying about horror movies nowadays. A lot, a lot of times, yeah, yeah. I, but but really, when you look at the genre, that's how it always was. You know, there there'll be one movie that breaks through and does something different, and then there's going to be 150 other movies that just copy it in some way or another because there's there's just there's money in it. <clears throat> you can make a horror movie for no money and sell it, and it'll make money because everybody watches these movies that's true there's there's little there's not a whole lot of motivation to make them innovate and it's just so easy to make a horror movie i just i wish they did and i know and i know that cared i know that that statement that it's easy to make a horror movie that's a blanket statement and i know that for for filmmakers that are genuinely trying something new and different that's not the case but generally speaking you can make a found footage movie pretty easily. Yeah. That has no script and has no original just, ideas. Just wing it. And then at the end, just look into the camera with thumbs up. But wink. Well, do you want to, do you want to hop into our reviews? That's how, yeah. Cause I'm done. Those are the movies I saw. I quit after fault in our stars. I just, I retired from movies. That's <laughs> <laughs> just how I'm done. Well, since we're talking about the town that dreaded its sundown, let's start with that one. So, oh boy, let's now. Uh, okay, first, first off, let's let's go over the particulars here. So, this is directed by Alfonso Gomez Rejon, and I like it, the flavor you put on that. Yeah, so I try. <laughs> Uh, The synopsis says, 65 years after a masked serial killer terrorized the small town of Texarkana, the so-called Moonlight Murders begin again. Is it a copycat or something even more sinister? A lonely high school girl with dark secrets of her own may be the key to catching him. So, I saw this last night. My prediction was, or is, that you despise this movie. Uh... For the most part, yeah. For the most part. So let's let's break it down. What did you think of the town that dreaded sundown? Um, I like the idea. You it's know, very that meta. It's a meta movie. I know. 
but so it, meta. it gets it gets a bit it gets a bit much it it's is a bit so of, it, meta <laughs> it's it's so obnoxious that we're the, i mean like every other scene is them watching the old movie that was like the that's biggest... all they that's all they do is just watch the other movie and now let me uh, i'll say i didn't hate this movie but the biggest issue I had was the fact that they continuously were showing clips from the original one. Yes. And that I found to be bothersome. I mean, it's okay to show it at the beginning, the opening scene where they're, they're at the drive-in. That's fine. But they keep going back to, like, everybody's watching it on their TV in this town. <laughs> it's like, holy crap, what is there, a channel that just plays this movie on loop? <laughs> Apparently, Yes. Apparently, that's all they do is watch this movie. Because, yeah, you're right. They constantly drop it in on people that are just watching it. And not even that. The thing that I found the most egregious was when there would be things that happen in this movie that mimicked what happened in the original. And they would do those quick flashes to the original. That I really hated. That felt like House of the... uh, What was that? House of the Dead. When Uwe Boll would cut to clips of the video game in the movie. I mean, I I like the idea of it that, you know, they're they're restarting these murders to get people not to forget, which kind of ties into the original movie, you know, that it came out and it was never on DVD and people sort of forgot about it and they forgot about the killer and they'd bring it back and everything. But just so many times they're you know, going to the old movie and showing you clips from the old movie and, you know, and they're just sort of walking through it and they're pointing it out too, that they're doing the exact same thing as the movie. Yeah. Cause yeah. there's even certain points where they're like, well, what happens after this murder in the movie? Yeah. They, well, see, that's <laughs> the thing. It's, they hammer you over the head with it. It's not necessary to, have two characters talking about what happened in the movie and then also show us. It's just, it's overkill. I think that the premise is actually quite interesting how in this world, this movie exists. Mm -hmm. I like that. I think that that, because they could have went so many ways with this movie. They could have done just a straight up sequel where it takes place however many years after the original and the killing starts again. That's yeah, you know, the go-to way of doing one of these reboots or sequels. Or they could have just did a modern-day reboot and remade the exact same movie over again. But they tried something different, and I do appreciate that. Again, I, I did. I like the idea of it. I think that just the execution was woeful. It's just um, like okay, so we have the the unnecessary clips from the first movie that are played constantly. And then you have Anthony Anderson's character. <clears throat> Why is he even there? I don't Would know. He, he does nothing but watch the movie. That's it. And insist on people calling him lone wolf for some fucking reason, which was the most ridiculous line of dialogue outside of the two gay guys. Oh yeah. Where they're just like, <laughs> where they're like Morales. He's like, call me lone wolf. I earned it. And you're just like, uh, no, people shouldn't be calling you Lone Wolf. And then they call him Lone Wolf throughout the movie. And then the only other thing he does is he's just like, I haven't seen the movie. Someone get it for me. And then the rest of the movie is just him watching 
the original movie. Yep. And not really doing any police work whatsoever, which just it didn't make any sense to me. His his character was completely unnecessary. Yep. And then the twist at the end is just that doesn't even okay. make well, sense. First, that first doesn't all, even make sense. Come first on. of all, I, I I wish I had this recorded or something, but at the the opening scene at the beginning when that person gets murdered, I said right off the bat what what it was. I, I called it. I completely predicted it. And then when it happened, I was like, yes. <laughs> now there was one there was one aspect of it that I didn't that I didn't catch, but you know, for the most part I I, I called it. You were you were right you were on top of it. Yeah, I was tr- I was trying to word it so that you would understand without <laughs> spoiling it mm. for the listeners, but I couldn't do it. So hopefully you know what I'm talking about. I think I do. I think I know what you're talking about, but uh and the weird thing is is much like the original the the last section of it, the whole the farmhouse in the cornfield, that looks great. Mm-hmm. It looks fantastic. Again, if that was the whole movie, we have a solid movie here. One thing that I will say that I liked about this movie was the look. I, I liked most of the cinematography in this movie. It, it except, had this, except they get a little bit crazy with the, the tilted camera angles. They do a they lot of like <laughs> tilted, almost fisheye lens type stuff, which... Yeah. For the most part, I, I liked it. That's one of the things that I liked the most about American Horror Story is the really interesting framing choices that they use in that show where they'll just have a fixed camera like in the corner of the room and it'll have this fisheye lens and everything looks kind of distorted and creepy. Which does, doesn't he do? Didn't he do a bunch of? Yeah. Okay. I thought yeah. so. And it, it looks, the, the way that this movie looks, it looks a lot like American Horror Story and I like that. It, it, did, a, it did look good. It did look good. But the uh, the writing for me was just... I mean, well, it was... Other, low, other low. than the the gimmick of this movie, it's basically your standard slasher movie. Yeah. It's the way it's structured, all the different characters, the inventive kills. It's your typical slasher movie. And for being a slasher movie, I would say that this is better than most. So comparing this to other other films in the genre, I would say if you do like slasher movies, check it out because it's got more going for it than most of what's been coming out lately in that subgenre. And you even have uh, you even have a microfiche, yeah, sequence. That's the other thing. You, got, that, you gotta have that. That reminds me, I like the title card a lot in this when it pops yes, up. Yes, I enjoyed that as it well. Was pretty awesome. So that, it's, got, that got it's, my hopes up. It's these little stylistic flourishes that make this movie not terrible. more bearable, more bearable <laughs> to watch. <laughs> and I I love how they how they handled Spark Plug, which was just asking him to leave the room, and then mm-hmm. that's all you saw of him. <laughs> I was so happy about that. It's like, yes, thank you so much. Now, one thing that I knew for sure that you were gonna hate the voiceover at the end. Oh, the voice, and then you know we talked about it. We were all interested to see what happens with the trombone. Yeah, oh yeah, they brought that back. Do they bring it back? How do they do it? I liked the fact that they updated it that it actually works. Like Mm -hmm. when he's doing it, I'm like, yeah, that that probably would actually work. But again, like you said, you know, he picks it up, and during that sequence, it's cutting back to the original, 
And you're just like, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. You don't you don't need to do that. It's just completely unnecessary. I just I don't understand. Because anybody that's seen the original will know that scene. Yeah, you don't so as soon as you trombone stabbing. So as soon as he picks up the trombone, you have to know that people that saw this in a theater were probably freaking out. So why cut back to the original clip? We we already know what happens. That's what I mean. To me that's just I always find that kind of stuff insulting. Like you you think I don't remember? They re- like I forgot a trombone stabbing. Who the fuck forgets a trombone stabbing? I mean, how many movies have you seen? It's not like you can get it muddled with memories of other movies with trombone stabbings. One thing I will say about the the visuals, I thought that the lighting was odd at times. There were certain scenes where there was so much backlighting happening where it it looked weird. It looked out of place. There was one scene in particular, I can't remember exactly the context, but it was the girl and she was standing there and there was so much light coming from behind her. It looked like she was about to get abducted by an alien or something. <laughs> uh, another thing, I don't know if you noticed this, but I thought that this was weird as well, is that it takes place in modern times, but yet everyone's clothing choices Right, yeah. Or 70s. And, and everyone even, drives old cars. Right, except I was for say, the one even the, beat up Ford Taurus. Even the cars are old. <laughs> I know. I'm like, is, wait, is this taking place in present time or are we still in the 70s here? I think maybe no. it's supposed to have to do with the town. Because usually in movies, when they want to represent a, a little town, a little uh, sparse rural town they always have people dressing and and like they're you know yeah from I, from a different era i know but it was it was almost every single person it's just like man you like you haven't updated your clothes they did that same shit with the texas chainsaw massacre mm-hmm. the beginning or whatever the latest one was yeah oh, geez but all right i mean it wasn't it wasn't terrible there was some things that I liked about it. I thoroughly enjoyed that cornfield scene towards the end there. I thought that that was fantastic. Yeah. but And, you know, the, the twist ending, although I didn't really... I wasn't really buying into it completely. I thought it was it was fine. It felt... A lot of this movie feels like it's as much a throwback to 90s slashers as it is to the original Town that Dreaded Sundown. It felt like... I know what you did last summer. I was gonna say to me, it felt like Scream. Yeah, and Scream. Def. Well, I mean the the <laughs> the comparisons to Scream are very numerous. It's just uh, there's just some really ridiculous things going on in this movie. It yeah, and I just don't I don't understand the choices at all. It's a shame, really. Just, is. Especially the uh, the gay couple. Yeah, that just, was weird how they how they showed that whole interaction. Yeah, it was, it <laughs> felt like odd. They're checking each other out while they're playing, just like gazing into each other's eyes. It's just like what what the hell? And then they're just ridiculous exchange. And well, I didn't even they were. I didn't even pick up on that at first because. Well, it's funny because my wife, they, like, as soon as they looked at each other, my wife goes, "Oh, they're gonna do it." Well, I didn't. I thought that they were giving mean glances to the, was it the mayor that was talking? Yeah, that's what that's what I thought. I, I, I thought that they were giving her the stink eye. 
I thought they were just like looking at each other like, oh, she's ridiculous. Yeah. And I was like, why are they giving her the stink eye? Why are we why are we focused on that? These this trombone player's ice grill and this mare, <laughs> hardcore. Uh and then they just have that ridiculous exchange in the car. Which is just <laughs> I mean, that's just some of the worst writing I've ever yeah, I, seen I, in my I, life. Yeah, it was weird. It felt very odd that and again like you don't need this sequence you don't need this to be happening <clears throat> can't we just be adults and they just get straight into it and then everything goes down yeah i guess it was supposed to be that they were awkward and they didn't know what to do quite ridiculous yeah i i'm still gonna give it a light recommend especially for horror fans and fans of the original as far as remakes and reboots and whatever go they went to they did something really interesting with this one and i think that alone warrants a a watch especially if you're a fan of the original yeah if you like the original i would recommend this one because the the best thing about it is they take out the slapstick comedy bs from the first one yes they do god yep but there's still still some other questionable choices in there I'm going to go ahead and rate The Town That Dreaded Sundown a 5 out of 10. Oof. Oh, boy. I'm going to go with like a 3. Okay. 3. I did not, wow. I did not enjoy myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'd go... <laughs> maybe I'd go low. No, I'll stick with a 5. I found it to be a competently made slasher movie. So, I'll say 5. Let's move on. And talk about Housebound. This is written and directed by Gerard Johnstone. I have a synopsis here. Kylie Bucknell is forced to return to the house she grew up in when the court places her on home detention. Her punishment is made all the more unbearable by the fact she has has to live there with her mother Miriam, a well-intentioned blabbermouth who's convinced that the house is haunted. Uh, it goes on, but that's the gist uh talk about interesting premises in horror movies while i was watching this i was just thinking to myself why has this not been explored before in a haunted house movie i mean you have a person on house arrest and they can't leave Mm -hmm. the house i mean that's i thought that that was really clever now this is a horror comedy so there there is a lot of uh, comedic elements kevin what did you think of Housebound? Uh, first off, this movie is entirely too long. Mm. Entirely too long. It takes forever to get going. Because I honestly, for like the first 40 minutes, I, I had nothing. I wasn't laughing. I wasn't scared. I wasn't anything. I'm just waiting for something to happen. But then towards the end, everything just gets ridiculous. And it gets crazy. And I had a good time. It just took me entirely too long to have a good time. That's really my only qualm with this movie. I feel I like, like a lot of stuff could have been cut out and it would have been much better. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I could see that. I didn't really have a problem with the length. I thought it was okay. I think the thing that maybe made it drag a little bit to me was the character of Kylie. She's supposed to be kind of a bitchy person, and she's hard to get behind she's not a very likable character at the beginning (laughs) she's an asshole (laughs) she's just a terrible person i think it's a little bit 
hard to enjoy what you're watching because the whole first act is basically her just being an awful person to her mom and her stepfather. Yeah. See, that was, but, the, that, that was the problem that I had. It's just too much of that establishing stuff. Right. It's, it's, you know, you established it right off the bat, and now you're just hitting me over the head with it. Yeah. It's like, I, 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 could, I, I get it. Let's move on. Let's get into something else here. I could agree with that. The other, the other thing I thought was crazy. Now, this, this is a film that takes place in New Zealand. The punishment that she gets, I found, was ridiculous as far as uh, house arrest for blowing up an ATM and stealing all the money out of it. Yeah. And <laughs> you, get house ar- you get house arrest for that? And to go along with it, that this was not her first that, offense. Yeah. This is like tacked onto a laundry list of offenses. And you get, what was it, like eight months? Nine months? Yeah. Of eight house months, arrest. Eight months house arrest. <laughs> are you serious, New Zealand? You guys are... You guys are pretty nice. Yeah. As far as the the horror aspects, I thought that there were some genuinely creepy moments that happened. It goes to some places that I didn't expect also, and I can't really <laughs> say what that is without giving away giant spoilers. There's one, one uh, scene in particular that was quite well done, effects-wise, and I think you know which one I'm talking about. At the end? Yeah. That blew me away. <laughs> I did not I did not see it going that far. It it blew me away. That that's that whole scene it was ridiculous. I mean, I thought that this was just going to be like a light comedy with a little bit of horror elements in there. I was not expecting that much. It gets pretty Ooh. hardcore. Yeah, it does. It's it's kind of surprising. I like the the probation officer character a lot. I was really rooting for him the whole time i thought he was probably one of the funniest characters in the movie the uh are you talking about amos amos yeah the the security guy mm-hmm. I, yeah i completely got behind him i was rooting for him i i loved the interaction with him and kylie how they sort of team up together mm-hmm. and become detectives yeah that's when everything started getting interesting yeah once once <laughs> the investigation stuff happened because yeah. i really didn't i really didn't know where this was going to go. I was... Because at first they say, oh, it was a bed and breakfast. And then they start looking into it deeper and you start finding out all this stuff about the house and uh, that really, really creepy neighbor that they have. and Yes. The, the whole teeth thing. And it it's, went to some really interesting places and I had a lot of fun with it. To me, that's when, that's when everything started getting into gear. As soon as they started uncovering it and those two team up and it softened her character up a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. Made her less annoying and just insufferable really. Cause I was getting to the point where I just, I don't, I didn't want to see her anymore. I didn't want to see her interacting with people. I just hated her. Same here, but I don't think you were supposed to like her. She was supposed to be, you know, this kind of out of control and they, they don't really, they say it in the movie, but they don't show any evidence of it. But apparently, she's a drug addict too, because they say they say she has substance abuse problems, and and then she has some uh, mental health issues as well. That sort of pop. Oh up right, at the yeah, end. yeah. You find out that she's bipolar, and everything gets. I mean, they they just start throwing crazy stuff on top of crazy stuff. 
Yeah, there's a lot of curveballs that get thrown in this in this movie too. You're, you're never really sure what's going on. I thought that it started taking a turn once she believed that there was something happening in the house because once she started buying into the fact that it was haunted, that's when she's kind of changed. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed the fact that Amos just he instantly yeah he just, just believes it and just starts right off the paranormal. bat right off the bat starts investigating <laughs> he's been waiting for this moment his entire <laughs> life and he seizes that opportunity and he just hooks up cameras he does everything he can't now what'd you, wait what'd you think of the visuals i thought the visuals were pretty good i mean it did they're not doing a lot in this movie but it's enough to keep things kind of interesting I I enjoyed the lighting the most, I think, cinematography-wise. I mean, there's not really a lot of great camera movements or interesting framing choices or anything like that, but I I did enjoy the lighting Uh, and the the effects that went with it. I liked uh, the set design in this, or the production design. The the neighbor's house, how junky and horrible it looked, and and even their house. Disgusting. Yeah. Everyone's house is disgusting. Yeah. Yep. No one's taking care of their houses. What's up? And I felt really bad for the stepdad the whole movie. Oh, that poor guy. <laughs> I did like his exchange. You know, when she's like, how long is this going to take? They're putting back together Cameroon statue or whatever. He's like, oh, 10 minutes. And then he, he never talks. And then just all of a sudden he just opens up and just lays everything out there. And then he's, she responds naturally the way that she always does just by being a complete asshole. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. That poor guy. Great poster for this movie also. I was not... Um, now, what did you think of the twist? Because I did not see that coming at all. It There's another <laughs> movie that a very similar thing happens in another movie. I'm not, I can't say what movie it is because people that, oh, no. that saw that movie are going to be like, oh. But I thought, I thought it was interesting. The... The character. <laughs> I'm trying to talk about it without talking about it. Um, the the cause of the disturbance in the house, the paranormal disturbance. I liked that. You know, I think we're I think we're just gonna have to do a quick spoiler discussion. I, I just love bringing this stuff up and just seeing you, seeing you uh, struggle. Yeah, it's struggle. All right, it's I, I entertain myself. Okay, way. well here here's what we're gonna do. We're going to do a quick spoiler discussion. We'll put it at the end of the show. So if you saw Housebound, just stay tuned after after the uh, outro music, and we'll get deeper into the spoilers. Which I have a question. Is the outro music going to be in a big country? Sure. Yes. Why not? Nice. All right. Any spoiler-free things to add for Housebound? Um, not really, no. I just, I, it, it was a good time. I didn't think it was necessarily. Um, I didn't think it was really that funny. I don't. I, I thought I, it had. I thought it had moments. I. I was I expecting didn't find it, more comedy. I think. Yeah, but but at the same time, I didn't think that it was. It wasn't that there were tons of jokes and they didn't land or felt stupid. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, felt yeah. that there wasn't a whole lot of comedy in it. No, no, I would because because there's a big. That. You need to draw that distinction because there's a lot of horror comedies where. It has a lot of quote-unquote comedy, and the jokes just don't land or feel stupid. Yeah. In this movie, 
the comedy is very understated and it, it only happens uh, at certain times sporadically throughout the movie. I mean, I'm sure that people find the, the mom to be funny because of just her personality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that was, it's obviously more my fault. I also didn't really understand the mother character because at first she's all about this spirit. She's she is absolutely sure that the house is haunted and then it seems like she has a little bit of a shift after Kylie ag- starts agreeing with her saying that it is haunted. Yeah. You know, and, and she that's seems just... completely disinterested in it. And also as the film starts to have its big crescendo at the end, the mom just turns into a complete useless mess and she for the most part she just stands there looking dumbfounded the whole time. <laughs> Mm. Yes, she does. All right, let's go ahead and give Housebound a score. I'm going to say, ooh, that's a, t- that's a tough one, actually. I'm going to say maybe seven. Ooh, mm. I'm thinking I'm going to go uh, six. six, six or seven. I All could right. say six and a half, but I'm not going to. Yeah, I'll stick with the seven on that. Stay tuned after the credits for some spoiler discussion. Housebound is available on demand right now. All right, let's go ahead and jump into some predictions. Oh, boy. Fury. I did not see Fury this weekend. Oh, that's a bummer. I was going to, but it just just didn't work out. Uh, You said 58. I said 56. Actual 80. Really? Oof. Yeah. Really? People just don't. People don't seem to uh, critique war films, I've noticed. Just a lot of times. They I mean, just fire straight into them. Most of the time, yeah. Book of Life, you said 68. I said 61. Actual 79. 79. All right. Yeah. All right. That's two wins for you there. The Best of Me, you said 32. I said 24. Actual 7. <laughs> the coveted 7. Oh, man. I love the seven. I'm a fan of the seven. Next week, we have John Wick. I'm so excited for John Wick. I've heard nothing but great things. I'm actually kind of uh, of interested in this one as well. Uninterested? No, interested. Oh, (laughs) I was like, man, wow. Uh, This one, this does have a rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 100% right now. Oh, boy. That will definitely drop, I'm sure. But I'm going to say... I'll say 85. Nah, yeah, I'll stick with 85. Mm, I'm going to go 82. I I think it will be lower than 85, but I hope that it's rated that high because it it looks like a lot of fun. And I think movies like that are just, I I think they're always unfairly criticized. Like, why can't a movie be fun anymore? No, everything has to be, oh my goodness, everything has to be philosophical and deep. Yeah. Every I get it. Movie has to be a Tarkovsky nowadays. And it's like every movie has to be three hours long nowadays. Too. Now that's something I am getting tired of. You know how excited I get when I find out a new movie is only like an hour and a half. I know. Like I get giddy like a little child. Yep. Uh, we also have Ouija or Ouija. Ouija. Do you say Ouija? A Ouija board, or do you say a Ouija board? A Ouija board? What are you fucking crazy? What kind of question is that? Well, I've heard people pronounce it Ouija. Do really? I've heard it. Are, they just, are those say, the same people that go Van Gogh? 
I don't know, maybe. <laughs> uh, this movie looks pretty terrible. What are you thinking? Uh, it does look terrible. I'm going to say... I'm hoping for a nine. Nine? Okay. I'm going nine. This is a uh, PG-13 supernatural horror film based on a board game. So oh, Hold up. Can I change that? Because <laughs> this, this is directed by Mick G. Well, that's the interesting thing. On IMDb, he's not listed. Okay. As the director, but on Rotten Tomatoes, he's listed as the, the director, along, along, with, along with the other person. Styles White. Yeah, so I'm not sure what that's all about. Which, that just can't be a good sign, so I'm going to drop that down to a four. All right, I'm, I'm going to say 14 on Ouija. Next week in limited release, we have Laggies, which is the new Lynn Shelton <clears throat> film. That premiered at Sundance, I believe, but I didn't see it there. I heard kind of some mixed things. White Bird and a Blizzard is getting a theatrical release. You can check that out on VOD. But don't. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like to point out, do not do that. Stonehurst Asylum. Whoa. That's a, a horror, supernatural horror film with, I think, Kate Beckinsale's in that. That's a serious title. Stonehurst Asylum. Doesn't look very good. Exists. Which is a, get this, found footage Bigfoot movie. What? what? Oh my goodness. Uh, one that I'm actually excited for, Force Majeure. I am as well. Heard nothing but good things about that one. Very excited to see that. Citizen Four, which is the Edward Snowden documentary that's been getting universal praise. I don't know if you've Where read it. Where the hell did that come from? I, it came out of nowhere. I don't know. It just popped up. Just like one day, all of a sudden, I'm seeing Citizen Four everywhere. Yeah, I think that it premiered at the New York Film Festival just recently, and then all of a sudden, it's got a release date. I mean, I'm going by the Rotten Tomatoes release dates here, so I don't that that might be inaccurate. But if it is coming out next week, that's crazy. But anyway universal praise on this one people are saying that this is a game changer for documentaries so we'll see oh boy i saw the trailer it does look pretty pretty impressive i'm i'm very interested in that uh we also have revenge of the green dragons which is executive produced by morton scorsese and directed by andy lau hold up did you just say those words together? Yeah. In one sentence. <laughs> yeah. Check out the trailer for it when you get a chance. It's, and it looks awesome. I just, just so we're clear, you are not lying. Nope. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It, it looks awesome. Talk about a game changer. <laughs> uh, also, in limited release, we have Rhymes for Young Ghouls finally coming out in the U.S. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. I think I'm going to go ahead and say that's because of us. I'd like to think so. It's a completely because of us. I'd like two, to think so. Two dude bros. Two dude bros talking about rhymes for young ghouls. Talking about blunts. Yeah. If it if that is opening in your area, check it out. Next week on Video On Demand, we have Listen Up Philip. Oh, my God. I know you're oh chomping gosh. at the bit for that one. I have. There's a place in my top ten that I've set aside. I've reserved it. I saved a seat. For listen up philip i put like i put my books in that spot just waiting until i can see this movie interesting other movies have come up and like hey can i have this i'm like no seat's taken listen up philip it's coming mm. soon i can't wait to hear your thoughts on it i i kind of worried that i'm building it up too much 
I think <laughs> kind of where you are too. Well, it's you know it's funny because last week I kind of dismissed it, and uh, this week when I was going through the listings and stuff, I looked at my review for Listen Up, Philip. I reposted it because it came out this past Friday in limited release, and I realized that I gave it an eight and a half out of ten. And I was like, wait a minute, I do not remember giving it that high of a score. <laughs> but well, apparently, I did. You did it. Yep. I'll be rewatching that too. We'll try to review that next week if we do have a show. Uh, also on VOD, we have Hollow's Grove. Don't know anything about that. What's Sounds that like a found footage horror movie. I got to look it up now just to see if it is. Well, we do have another found footage horror movie, and that's VHS Viral. Oh, God. I'll check that. I'll be looking at that one. Just, I'll be okay. checking it. I'm will, checking we, it will we be doing a feature on that one, probably? If you are willing to watch it, I will. I, it's just one of those things where I don't like them, but at the same time, I have to watch them. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Just, I'm like, oh, there's got to be something good in there, right? I mean, the Gareth Evans one. with the, yeah. What was that, with the Mo Brothers? Yeah. I mean, that was fantastic. So there's always a chance of that happening. I think it was just one of the Mo Brothers, but yeah. Uh, Stonehurst Asylum also comes out on VOD. <sighs> Next week on DVD and Blu-ray, we have Earth to Echo. Oh, thank God, finally. Found footage family movie. Shut shut up. Not too many of those. <laughs> I'm so sick and t- tired of hearing found footage. It's you everywhere. should check out our Kickstart Sunday this week, which is for a movie called Found Footage 3D. And it's a, sort of a satirical found footage horror movie. Watch the Indiegogo campaign video for that. It, it's pretty funny. Okay. But the way that the movie's going to be, it's not going to be like a goof spoof of found footage. It's actually going to be more like a scream where it kind of subverts the the tropes of found footage. Gotcha. It looks interesting. Uh, we also have Life After Beth. <laughs> very light. Very light recommend on that one. If you're... Well, only if you're into zombie movies, I guess. <laughs> I wasn't that into it. Uh, the Purge Anarchy, better than the first, yet not great. The Scribbler, can't recommend that one either. Oh, Scribbler. Come See on. No Evil 2, can't recommend that one, even though I'd like to. Sex Tape, didn't see it, but still probably not worth watching. Never, never worth watching. Snowpiercer. Don't, don't do that to yourself. Do not watch Sex Tape. No, no. Watch Snowpiercer. Do, watch do, that. I do recommend that one. Watch that one. Yeah, definitely recommend that one. And finally, <laughs> Wrong Turn 6. Are you serious? Wrong Turn 6. That's a lot of wrong turns. That is. There. There's so many wrong turns happening. You think people would learn? You get a GPS. Jesus Christ, get a GPS. Just use your phone, for God's sake. There's a GPS built into it. Yeah. Or have God as your GPS. Look at the North Star and head that direction. Fist of the North Star? Yep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. It's Any, kind of devolving here. Yeah. Any criterions? This shit's getting silly. Uh, We have two. All right. We have an absolute classic that I wasn't a huge fan of. That's La Dolce Vita from Fellini coming out on the Blu-ray. I love the cover that they use for this. It's fantastic. 
still a pretty good movie, but I, I mean, I was kind of let down. I was expecting like absolute greatness because of its reputation. I was a little let down. It's a bit bloated at 174 minutes. Um, but the other one that's coming out on Blu-ray, re-release here, F for Fake by Orson Welles. I cannot, I cannot recommend this one enough. This movie is fantastic. Hmm. Check this out. I will actually want to, I got to revisit this one. It's been a while since I've seen this. But it's like a, it's a documentary by Orson Welles. And he just, just the way he does it, because it's, it's, he doesn't go by any of the rules. And it's just fantastic. Interesting. Let me check that out. All right. I think that that will wrap it up. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. Be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. We'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches Movie. All right, welcome back. Let's do some spoiler discussion on Housebound. How about that in a big country song? <laughs> oh boy, good stuff. Good stuff. Did you play the whole thing? No. Yeah, you should. No. <laughs> and then end it with the geyser. The geyser quote from Lando. Uh, probably not going to do that. No, you're such a dick. Probably not going to do that. So the movie that I was talking about is The Pact. Uh. There's a very similar thing that happens in the pact that happens in Housebound where turns out that it's not a spirit at all, but someone living in the walls of the house. And I will say that the pact is different enough that if you decide to see it, Kevin, that's not a huge spoiler. Okay. Okay. So, um, I don't know. What'd you, what'd you think of the twist? What did you think of that? I I mean, it was a bit much to kind of buy into, but at that time, you know, I'm, I was at that point I was just rolling with it because I was just enjoying myself. You know what I mean? Like it pops mm-hmm. up, the twist happens, the reveal happens, and you're just like, "Well, that is stupid," but okay, let's do it. I'm in. I thought it was kind of funny, and the there's another twist of sorts that happens when you find out that this person is trying to help them. He's trying to protect them. And uh, there was a really funny sequence when they were in his little lair in the house and <laughs> she's, she's yelling at him and it just cuts to him and he's wearing the headphones watching the TV. I, th- I, I thought that that was probably the funniest moment in the whole movie. I did, I did I enjoy just... him because he, he was a bit ridiculous. You know, he's laughing and like you say, it just cuts back to him watching TV and then she comes over and finds a picture that, you know, he drew of her. And she's like, is this supposed to be me? And immediately he's like, oh, I have loads more. And yeah. he just picks up this huge pile. And then his his hiding spot, I found that to be kind of funny. That he yeah. just puts a sheet over <laughs> and stands over. Yeah. I thought that... In the, the middle of nowhere. I was kind of surprised at how touching that moment was when he was showing the pictures. Like, because most of the movie plays it pretty light and almost goofy, but I felt like for that one small moment, things got serious for a minute, and I liked that. I liked that scene when he I was showing the, the pictures. 
they they did handle it pretty well too because they didn't get you know it wasn't like overly no it wasn't like sentimental super sentimental yeah it was just a nice little touch of a uh, little bit little little bit of heart in there add a little bit of heart in between uh, all the ridiculous craziness that's going on yeah now that ending where <laughs> <laughs> like so i thought oh man this guy not only gets a giant fork stuck up through his chin that there's a wire connected to it. And I was like, Oh man, he's going to get electrocuted. But the way that they shoot that his fucking head explodes. <laughs> it's and just the blood all over their faces. It's not just the fact that that happened, but the way that they shot that was just so perfect. How it was it, so fast. It, it just explodes cut to their faces. Just, in complete shock covered in blood she yes. spits out like the chunk of it it's like a chunk of skull i don't know yeah. whatever it was <laughs> and then the fact that they just put the camera back on the head the severed head. <laughs> his head that is no longer there and it's just blood is popping out oh my goodness this is ridiculous now, like i said it... at that time i was just like i'm just rolling with everything because it finally got it got entertaining yeah so yeah. you sort of just buy into everything I, th- I thought it was a blast. Uh, I just had so much fun with it. Um, I thought it was interesting that they didn't kill off any of the characters. They they make you think that several of the characters die, but they always come, but they come back at the end. Mm-hmm. And I actually like that. Normally in movies, when they do something like that, I'm not a big fan of it. But I actually liked all of the characters except for Kylie. So I was pleased to see them all coming. Yeah, back. I was I was kind of bummed out when. I thought Amos bit right. dust. I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, but then he pops back up, man. the The cop did not, though. He actually oh, no. died, which <laughs> <laughs> I kind of felt bad because like no one seemed to care that that guy died. He was also a terrible cop, though. Yes, he's very incompetent, and he got killed by a corkscrew. Come on, if you yeah. can't defend yourself against a corkscrew. Although that scene was pretty funny when they were trying to pull it out. <laughs> And use it. <laughs> oh my goodness. What Any is... other spoilers to add? Oh, this is all over a, a Vacheron Constantine pocket watch. Oh yeah, I was. Uh, that's right. I wanted to ask <laughs> you about that. The pocket I thought that, watch. that was great that she knew, that she knew it was a Vacheron Constantine, and she knew that that watch more than likely is worth a shit ton of money because it's an old pocket watch. It's an old Vacheron. Oh, and it still works. Good lord. Now, what did you think I wonder of... if they sold that sucker. I would have sold that. Probably. You have so much money. Because you got to think, she cha- She did change, but probably not a complete 180. No, I you doubt know, She's still a thief. Probably. Maybe. You know, man, you don't know. Keep it open. Yeah. I like how they just they just continue to live with Eugene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to imagine, you... You would smell him after a while, correct? Well, if he... I mean, like, it didn't look like he was bathing. Right. I don't know how that all worked. Maybe he waited until they left the house or something? I don't, I don't know. Just, I have a feeling that you would smell him after a while. You would think so. But... I, don't, I don't know. What did you think of the, the twist that revealed the doctor was actually the killer and the reasoning behind it is that he got beat up by a girl and... I thought that was actually pretty interesting. I, I found it interesting too. I, 
I didn't I didn't suspect the the doctor at I all. Not I mean, of course they throw red herrings at you left and right cuz at first you think that it's haunted and then you think that it's the ghost of the dead girl and then you think that the the neighbor guy has something to do with it and then you think that Eugene is the one killing people which does seem kind of odd that Eugene like the first time that they meet Eugene or Kylie does you know that he, he, he acts flicks crazy. out yeah and like attacks her and stuff seems kind of weird but i understand why they had to do it that way and well, it worked, it's interesting it it's interesting cause... because when you look back at all the weird things that happened you can kind of rationalize it with him trying to warn her mm-hmm. you know in his own weird peculiar way i think that's interesting i would like to rewatch this knowing the ending just to pick up on any of the other little clues <laughs> just <laughs> uh the three-fourths jesus <laughs> <laughs> oh the other the other scene that i liked a lot small thing when they cut to the kitchen and her coming out of the cl- the the pantry <laughs> just busting through the pantry I, lo- I thought that that looked really cool it was funny uh there's a like i said it's i i was expecting more comedy and i mean there is some comedy in here and it was sort of my fault for just having an expectation for some reason but there are small moments enough to make me chuckle throughout yeah well, you'll have to just see what we do in the shadows when that comes out. Oh, that's, God, I can't wait. That is, that's wall-to-wall co- comedy. Swearwolves. You kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I will watch anything with that guy in it. Yep. He needs to be in more movies. I agree. It's kind of criminal that he's not. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening. Housebound. Check it out.